Our scripture comes from Isaiah 2nd chapter, 1st through the 5th verse. The word that Isaiah, song of Amaz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. So we finally made it to the first Sunday of Advent, and Advent is a season of preparation, and our preparations really began last Sunday whenever a group of us gathered together to get the sanctuary and the spaces throughout the church ready for this season and for Christmas. Advent is a season of preparation. It's a time for us to get ready to prepare our hearts through fasting and prayer for Christ's coming. And for the next four weeks, we're going to be getting ready by listening to the voice of the prophet Isaiah, as well as the gospel from Matthew. Now, some of you will say, that's right, Advent is a season of preparation. Christ is coming. There's going to be a sweet little baby boy born on December 25th, and we've got to get ready. We've got to make sure that the stockings are hung by the chimney with care and that our presents are purchased and wrapped and ready and we remember where we hid them. Y'all can laugh because you know it's true. We have this problem every year. We've got to make sure that the cakes and the cookies and the pies and the casseroles and the chocolate-covered pretzels and the peppermint bark and all of that stuff, chocolate-covered stuff, is ready for that baby, that sweet baby born in a manger, eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus just lying there. Well, yes, Advent is a season where we're preparing to remember the birth of Christ. And yes, we're going to sing, I promise, about angels and shepherds, and, and, and we'll eat all the Christmas goodies, friends. We will, we will, we'll do it all. But at Advent, we aren't just waiting for Jesus to be born as a child in a manger. We're also preparing ourselves for Jesus' second coming. We're looking toward a future where the crooked paths are made straight, where the hills and valleys are laid low, where justice rules and righteousness reigns, a time when Jesus comes on the clouds with fire to judge the earth and to establish his kingdom forever. Throughout this season of preparation, we'll be listening, we'll be imagining, we'll be hoping, we'll be longing for that future that Christ is coming again to establish for us. Advent, though, is also a season, I think, of imagination, where we as disciples 
are asked to use our God-given imagination to see a future that is different from the present. Now, imagination is defined as the faculty or action of forming new ideas or images or concepts of external objects not present to the senses. And that's a confusing definition, friends. I had to read it twice to make sure that I understood it. In short, imagination is the ability to see what cannot be seen or to see something that is beyond what is before you. And when I think of imagination, I can't help but think of Walt Disney, a man who was gifted with incredible imagination. He could see what was unseen. Disneyland and Walt Disney World are a testament to the power of Walt's imagination. He didn't build his parks based on what was, but rather on a vision for what could be. In fact, he said that Disneyland will never be completed. It will never be completed. It will continue to grow as long as there is imagination left in the world. It will never be completed as long as there is imagination left in the world, as long as people are longing for more than what they see before them today. It will continue to grow. Disney's imagination led him to believe that more was possible than what could be seen. And Disney's imagination, it it brought us pirates and princesses and Peter Pan and Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. You can't miss Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, friends. Castles and lands that transport us from the present to faraway places where literally anything is possible. Not only that, but his vision and his imagination of what could be sparked the imaginations of hundreds and thousands of others. His imagination and vision inspired engineers, which he called imagineers, storytellers, animators, and architects. Imagination, friends, when it gets loose, is powerful, and it's contagious, and all it takes is one little spark. Our scripture text this morning is a text brimming with imagination, brimming with imagination. Look at it with me from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. It says there, This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now, this is the uh, New International Version, and it's not a great translation of this first verse. I want to give you a better translation that you actually heard this morning from the New Revised Standard Version, which reads this way. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. The word that Isaiah saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Does that sound strange to you? A little? Friends, we don't usually see words. We read words. We don't usually see words. What you have here operating is what we call prophetic imagination, Seeing what cannot be seen, God inspires Isaiah's imagination to dream a dream of a future that is not present, but that is breaking into the world. Isaiah sees this word of God that comes to him, and he begins to share it. He begins to write it down so that we can be blessed recipients of its truth. So Isaiah goes on, having seen this word and his imagination being peaked. 
He says, in the last days. Now, that's not today and that's not tomorrow, but in the far future, at the time of God's final judgment. In the last days, Isaiah says, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and nations will stream to it. Can you imagine this, friends? A temple high at the top of a mountain, a site that can be seen from anywhere on earth. And nations being drawn toward it. It reminds me of Revelation 21 where the city of God, the new Jerusalem, descends out of heaven. A place prepared by God for us where God will dwell among us and where we will be God's people and God himself will be with us. Can you see it? Can you imagine it? A vision so powerful and so compelling compelling that people are drawn to this place. Not just drawn, but people stream to this place. Nations stream to the mountain of God. Isaiah goes on, many peoples will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. These nations will be gaining wisdom they didn't have until this moment when God teaches them to walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Can you imagine this? A world where many peoples, not just a few, not just some, but many people's hearts are softened towards God, toward the wisdom of God, toward the judgment of God, toward the righteousness of God, where their desire is no longer learning the ways of the world, the ways of capitalism and competition, the ways of war and hate and politics and popularity, but where people desire to learn the ways of of God, the ways of justice, the ways of righteousness, the ways of hope, the ways of peace, the ways of the Lord. Can you imagine a day when every heart's longing is to know the way of the Lord? Isaiah goes on, he says, God will judge between the nations. He will settle disputes for many peoples, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. In this future that God is bringing, God rules all of creation and God judges creation and rules. And not only will there be justice for all people, but peace, true peace, a peace so great, a peace so profound that people will no longer take up arms against one another. Instead, those tools for war will be fashioned and for tool fashioned into tools for planting and gathering, for bringing in the abundance of God's blessing. And there's not just justice, but peace. Can you imagine? Isn't that what we all long for? In a world marked with division and disunity by wars and invasions, don't we all long for a day when peace, true peace, justice, true justice reigns? A future we can see, we can imagine, but more than that, a future that is coming. 
a future that is breaking in. Can you imagine? But then there's verse 5. And if you've got your Bible out or you've got your notes out, you can just circle and highlight and star verse 5. Because Isaiah does something different here. God speaks a different word suddenly to Isaiah. He says, come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Now, you might think that that's not that profound of a verse. It sounds like something that may have been copied from the Psalms, but what I want you to understand is just what God is doing through Isaiah here in verse 5. You see, up until now, we've been asked to use our imagination to talk about the future that God will bring about at the end of days. That time when God's city will be raised up and people will stream to the mountain of the Lord to hear God's judgments. When nations will no longer war against nations and swords will be beaten into plowshares as the judgment, justice, and reign of God is established forever. We've been asked to use our imagination to dream. But then in verse 5, Isaiah invites us to make real what we can only see through the eyes of the prophet. He asks us to make real this dream that he sees, this word that he sees. Isaiah says, come descendants of Jacob. In other words, people of God. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. And Isaiah invites us, you, me, all of us, to begin living in God's kingdom that is coming in the future, in this moment, to participate in God's rule and in God's reign right now. As followers of God, as disciples of Jesus Christ, eternity, friends, eternity began the day that we said yes to Jesus' free offer of grace and salvation. In that moment, we took up citizenship in the kingdom that Isaiah is describing here. We took up residence in the rule and reign of God that lasts from eternity to eternity. Isaiah invites us then to begin living like it, to begin living like it. Isaiah asks us to allow God to sit on the throne of our heart, high above any other power or presence, to be drawn toward God's presence in our lives and in the world. Isaiah asks us in this moment to allow the judgment and the justice of God to become the way in which we walk, the rule for our lives, and the rule for how we live and act in this world. Isaiah asks us to join in in making our world a more peaceable place. Not by forcing others to beat their swords into plowshares, but by forging our own instruments of peace, planting and harvesting from our weapons of war. You're invited to participate in this kingdom that is coming, this kingdom that is already breaking in to the world, you don't have to wait. You can be a part of it right now. Friends, Isaiah's vision could remain just a vision for us, but truly it is an invitation to a new way of living, a new way of being. Can you see it? Can you imagine it? 
the nature of prophetic imagination, of prophetic vision, is that it sees beyond what is to what could ultimately be and what will ultimately be. How are you looking beyond what you see right now to see what could be? How are you living in to God's kingdom and reign right now? How are you preparing this advent for God's presence as it breaks into the world? The king is coming, friends. The kingdom is coming, and we are invited here and now to begin living in God's rule and reign. So I'll give you the invitation that Isaiah gives his first readers. Come, descendants of Jacob. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. You can stop imagining. And you can begin living in a new way. Under a new rule. Because you are invited to make what could be a reality wherever it is you are. Would you pray with me this morning? Almighty God, we thank you for the gift of imagination, for allowing us to have eyes that see beyond that which is before us into a future and into eternity, God. And we pray, Lord, that as we catch a vision, catch a glimpse of what it is that you desire to do in us and through us and in our community, God, we pray that we would not just be people who see the vision, God, but begin to work to make the vision come to life. Help us to bring heaven to earth, God, as you have descended from heaven to earth to be with us. Allow us to be your agents of reconciliation your agents of peace, your agents of hope and life in this lost and broken world. Lord God, we see what you desire for us to do and who you desire for us to be. Give us the courage to take that next step of faith toward that hope, toward that future, toward your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.